Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Welcome, welcome. Hello, doctor. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Hurricane. How are you today? Uh, doing terrific. Uh, as, as always, I would say, you know, great day, great everything. Can't complain. Right. You know, um, well, first of all, as always, thank you for making the time, uh, you know, again, from the future to the past. <laughs> the usual. Uh, yeah, that's fine. And, and always, it's wonderful to be here, Hurricane, because as you know, we have people out there that are struggling with the way life is going, the direction the world is going, and struggling in their personal lives. And uh, we're here for them. We're, we're here to sort of make sure that uh, they have some tips, some direction, some guidance. And uh, it's also entertaining, uh, Hurricane, to sort of think, how can we do better in life? It seems to be something that we humans like to do. Oh, listen, Doc, uh, it, it is, you're right. I mean, this world is just, I, we always talk about it and it's never ending. It's always something yes. going on. Um, yeah, there is. It's amazing. But listen, it is what it is, right? We got to deal with it. Um, it's the easy way to deal with it. <laughs> Accept it for what it's worth and work through it. So, uh, and I think uh, we're doing our best. I know your doctor doing a lot of work out there. I, I love that. I admire your work out there. I, I see your posts and things. I I just saw your post today about the breathing exercise, and I reposted oh. it. And love it. I used it. <laughs> Thank you, Hurricane. Yeah, it works. It works for me. It works for everybody. So, uh, uh, last last month we had uh, an interesting discussion, and and we left it off. We were talking about the bipolar, uh, I guess, uh, diagnosis. Yes. And and, and we didn't have the whole time to continue the discussion. So we said yes. that we're going to touch on a little bit. So hopefully we'll be able to do some of that today. Uh, that's all. Okay. We'll, we'll start with that. I just switched the screen. So we are cool. <laughs> I'm looking at you. And also on Instagram, we're live. And, and unfortunately, in Instagram, it's a little funny because what it does, it, um, it when you're on StreamYard, it kind of splits the screen. So we're not really, they're not center we're not centered <laughs> but i'll do i will replay it right on on it and so people are listening right now but they might not be able to get it you know in the right way um but so um before we get started just give me one second Doc. i almost disappeared there on the screen you know my virtual you know <laughs> you know i became a little transparent for a minute there <laughs> So, but hey, it's all good. All right, so Doc, so let's talk about that. I mean, we were talking about bipolar and yes. uh, we have not finished the discussion. And I think there was a part of the question. I'm gonna repeat the question just so, you know, for the audio audiences today. Um, yeah. So the question was, I watch your show about dealing with bipolar disorder. And I would like first Dr. to expand on this diagnosis and its impact on life. Also, what is double personality or, or define and how can someone identify if they suffer from it, David? Um, this was a show that I had done, and uh, I guess the question came after that. And uh, you know, we just you know want to address that as well. Yeah. So we want to address David's question as to what bipolar disorder is and how it uh, it, it impacts somebody's life. And bipolar affective disorder, uh, in a sense, it's the most biological um, illness that we have in psychiatry, and yet. <clears throat> it's filled with controversy. So uh, psychiatry looks at uh, a, a little Bible, which is called the DSM-4, where there's a consensus of how to diagnose these things. But bipolar disorder is something that uh, suffers from uh, knowing what to categorize, knowing how to diagnose it, because there are various differences and ideas. For example, it's normal for all of us to get sad 
even really sad. It's normal for all of us to get happy, even really happy and euphoric at times. But at what point does it become a disorder? And at what point is it still normal? And so the criteria that we use is actually functioning. If you can get on with your day-to-day -day life, if you can still keep down your job, if you are uh, getting on well with the people around you and not losing your relationships, then whatever you're going through is normal. But if your mood suffers to the point where you can't get on with your job, you can't get on with the people around you, uh, and it is uh, something that is uh, relieved by medication, then that becomes what we call bipolar disorder. Now, the impact of this on somebody's life is actually huge. Uh, firstly, bipolar is a, a diagnosis that um, can affect anybody from any walks of life, and it has a really close association with people who are really creative. So there are musicians like Robert Schumann that probably had uh, bipolar, writers like Sylvia Plath and uh, Ernest Hemingway that probably had uh, bipolar, and visual artists like uh, Jackson Pollock or uh, Vincent van Gogh that probably had a form of bipolar disorder. So it's that extended emotional range that creative people have. So when you get a bipolar diagnosis, the important thing is actually to know that it is the most biological diagnosis that we have and medications actually help. So one of the wonder drugs is lithium and lithium has been with us for over 70 years, almost 75 years and it saves lives. The problem is that while you're on it, you don't feel that it's saving your life. But with the diagnosis of bipolar one affective disorder, to be able to keep your emotions stable and within a certain range, rather than going too high or too low, can actually save lives. So that's a small overview, uh, Hurricane, but where do you want to go with David's question now? Well, no, so so thank you, by the way, doctor. And I know we expanded some of that last time. But yeah. The, the, the second part was like the double personality, um, I guess, diagnosis. Is there such a thing? And, uh, you know, the, in the show, we had I had asked the question and, you know, uh, it was stated that it does exist. But, you know, what is the actual uh, true psychiatry uh, definition? Of it? Yeah. OK. So bipolar disorder and uh, what used to be called multiple personality disorder okay, uh, are two separate things. So uh, bipolar disorder used to be called manic depressive disorder, but uh, people didn't want this word manic as part of their diagnosis because they see it as having sort of negative connotations, okay? And, and bipolar is actually a much better term for it because it describes what's going on, that the two ends of our personality or our emotional range uh, is too much in both directions. Uh, but Multiple personality disorder is a different thing altogether. And it is still in the DSM-5, but we call it a dissociative identity disorder. Uh, now we're into an area which is controversial, even for psychiatrists. Uh, there are some psychiatrists that do not believe that this order exists. There are some psychiatrists that believe this order exists, but it's therapists that give other people this disorder. And then there are other psychiatrists that say, this actually exists. And um, so what was it? It was a movie in the 1950s called The Many Faces of Eve. There was another movie called Sybil that explored this phenomenon. And there was a series uh, called The United States of Tara, uh, which was on Netflix or uh, on social media probably about five, maybe eight years ago that explored this particular diagnosis. So does the diagnosis exist? Yes, it exists, and there's a lot of body of research behind it. It's very different to bipolar, and what it is is a disorder that is characterized by people having different ego states. All right, Now, this is very difficult to understand, but we talk about the sub subconscious mind and the conscious mind, and we kind of understand what we're talking about there. But if you think that some people can have conscious minds that are different uh, and we're all different in different situations, if you take that to the extreme, so you may find yourself um, acting one way in the presence of, let's say, your father, Hurricane, 
okay? Whereas with your children, you act a different way. With your work colleagues, you act a certain way. And you sort of go, okay, so I can see who I am in the midst of all of this, but sometimes it looks like I'm different people to different, uh, I'm different things to different people. So that carried out to the extreme where you actually are different people, even to yourself, is the basis of what a dissociative identity disorder actually is. Now, <laughs> okay, now I've got, I've got to say to you, uh, Hurricane, I'm a bit weary about getting into areas that are very sort of, um, how should I put it? Uh, I, I won't say spooky or weird, but extreme in our experience because I have treated people that have this experience and it is a real disorder and it causes a lot of problems. And sometimes we, in our curiosity, sort of look at these things and say, hey, that's really cool or that's really strange and it becomes entertainment to us. So out of respect to people, I, I, I don't see this as entertainment. This is something that, that needs to be worked on because people are actually suffering from this and there is therapy that can help, although often it is years and years of therapy. Well, thank you, Doctor. And, and again, you're right. I mean, this is everything that we cover. It's 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 serious stuff. I mean, you're yes, talking about yeah. about personalities. You're talking about action that can be detrimental, health-wise, or you know, the outcomes of whatever the person may be going through uh, can be bad, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've, we've covered a lot of grounds already, and we can, we're going to continue doing this as long as we have this, you know, this show going. But but you're right, Doctor. It is it is not easy to for us when you hear a question it's one thing and it gives you a clarity on what it is but for someone that's going through it typically that is not i don't think that person is is enjoying at that point whatever they are and yeah. to your point going through the phase and getting through the treatment and how long whatever it takes it depends on the personality i guess yes. i guess if someone can be treated sooner than not and, and than another person depends on how they they commit and how much they put in and, and you know how far they are right yes yes that that's right now i have to put in a real psychiatric type thing to say uh yeah. because i'm concerned when people like david put uh divided personality together with bipolar mm -hmm. because there's something in those two things that kind of look the same but they're very different and uh and what i do need to say is not to diagnose yourself all right. If you feel that there is something that needs to be worked on in you, then go see a doctor and trust the doctor's diagnosis. I mean, doctors go to medical school for seven years for a reason to find out if there is something that should be done or if this is something that, you know, we can just talk about and, and move on from because it's a very subspecialized area. And one of the disadvantages of our society that has a lot of information is that it's really hard to wade through information or to know what level of information we're actually um, uh, operating on. Because what is information for me is very different to information for people who are afraid that they might be going through something. And so it comes back to trust hurricane. You know, if we can find doctors that we trust and build up a relationship, then we can go to a place where things can be treated if they need to be treated. Well, doctor, thank you so much for, for, for that, because that, it, is, it is, I mean, obviously the question was related to the show. So, yeah. and, and again, for me, I, I get it because, you know, for the most part, for someone who doesn't know, these things can be almost overlapping in, in a normal mind. Meaning well, there's no such thing as normal mind. Let's, let, let me begin, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, and, and like the comment, understanding of it is like you know i've actually thought they were the same myself because that's yeah. how it can, it can be portrayed a little bit and you know in movies and stuff you don't know exactly what it is because yeah. that's what the diagnosis that, yeah. that you're getting you know feedback from a doctor such as yourself and by the way thank you for clarifying i mean you're right someone needs help they should go and seek help uh, yes. and there is help available almost everywhere it's just a matter of finding and but i think you and i we have touched on this the idea that not everybody is willing to to admit that they have a problem yeah. and, or, you know, are willing to go to see a psychiatrist or, you know, because of the stigma, because of, you know, how it's been historically uh, portrayed. I mean, people, you talk to someone that going to see, to seek mental health, ooh, yes. that's taboo, right? Like, you know, we can't talk about that. <laughs> it yeah. becomes very difficult. And so encouragement, you know, is, is, is needed here. And I think, you know, one of the things that doctor you do all over the world is that you are bringing this to the people. You are bringing yes. the idea that you can reach the doctors. 
Yes, yes. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about movies and television series because uh, the difference there is the purpose of movie and television series is entertainment, all right? And so we get entertained by seeing things that we find curious or bring us pleasure, or bring us joy, uh, or take us on a ride of some sort. And that's fine. But sometimes a movies and uh, television series will use very serious subjects to bring us that entertainment. And so often we look at a movie or a television series and we identify with what's going on. We think, oh, maybe that's going on in me. And that's where we cross a line between normal and identification with things that are going wrong. And, and I, I have to say to you, Hurricane, the good news is the majority of humans are actually normal. And it's normal to be resilient that even if you go through problems in your life, it's normal for uh, your brain and your body to be able to find a way through. In a way, that's, that's what survival of life is. We all encounter problems, uh, but it is part of the human spirit to look for and find a solution to move forward. And I got to say, as human beings, we actually do that really well. Okay, but there are things in our society at the moment that seem to be pushing us towards this area of mental illness and mental, mental unhealth, if you want. And that's where sometimes this blurred line between what is science and what is entertainment is not always helpful. Well, <laughs> Doctor, you know, you, you touch on something that, that I, I, I always debate with because you're right. I mean, we watch movies. And you, you clearly stated it's entertainment, but it's also influence. It, oh, yeah. it, it is affecting how people think, and it is gu almost guiding people. It's suggestive enough. It's almost it's hypnosis in a way. I mean, I, we've yes. covered some of that as well. So we are we are basically subjected to this information, and then you become some of that, and you even behave sometimes the way it is, yes. depending on what character you you incline to. <laughs> you turn to be exactly like them, where you want to mimic them. And it becomes yes. good or bad, depends on, on whoever you pick. I mean, you pick somebody that's evilish or devilish, you know, you're going to have, you know, similar tendencies. You pick someone, you know, that you enjoy as a good character and good charismatic personality, whatever, helpful, yes. charitable, you might be the same. But it is powerful enough to change people's behavior and it, it is intended to, I mean, it's a marketing tool. It's the same yes. thing as any marketing, you know, process. Yes, yes. And so th this brings me to the idea of mentorship because uh, mentors are very important in all of our lives. People that we look up to, and generally speaking, the people that we look up to are people like parents, older siblings, older friends or coaches or teachers. But we now live in a world where our influence is coming from social media. Uh, media. So what happens is people get what I call media mentors. There are people on the internet that are there to influence you, and they do. And the thing is that we need to be very careful that we're not getting media mentors that are leading us astray. And most people now know that the way that algorithms on social media work is to get you to stay on there, to show you stuff that you want, uh, but to manipulate you towards what other people want. So products, um, uh, images that are very strong and to keep you in certain uh, modes of thinking you start to follow other people and you don't even know it because the computer is programmed to get you to follow them. So in other words, you're getting a media mentor rather than a, me a real mentor. And it's good for us to pause and think, okay, who are the mentors in our lives? Who are the people that I admire? Who are the people that have the values that I want to emulate in life so that my life moves in a direction that I want to? Uh, and to be able to do that consciously is actually good so that you have some mentors in your life that guide you down the path that you actually want to go on rather than be taken down an algorithm. Well, thank you, Doctor. And well, so it's funny you said that about the media. Uh, well, we are right now live on social media. <laughs> we are giving it, you know, someone can say, well, you guys are our mentors as well in a way because yes. you're sharing information. Uh, it, which would be the case. I mean, obviously our mission is to educate, enlighten, inspire, and motivate. So therefore we are here to share. But but again, I am with a specialist. I am with a doctor who is bringing real information from a perspective of medicine and psychiatry. Uh, so, so again, it's not just my opinion. 
and I like I would not be able to give advice about psychiatry stuff because I have no clue. But yeah. the idea of having you on and sharing it's valuable, so people can get from the source. And really, you are the resource. And and uh, Hurricane, this is this is where what you do actually works brilliantly because you use an entertaining style, you use music, you use images, uh, so that people get entertained. But behind you, you have a team of experts, including myself that bring uh, information that is more scientifically based. And people listening to us at the moment are not here just for entertainment. They're here to get some, some answers answered. And that's really important. And that's where entertainment and scientific information can come together. Well, I'm glad we're doing this work. And by the way, I enjoy it and you know that. And so so we we do it because we really believe in it. And, uh, and I know that, I mean, your time is very valuable. I mean, just the job you do is, is kind of expensive and, you know, you get, you know, real uh, work done and so on and so forth, but you're given your time, uh, at least, you know, it, it is, it, it is an appreciated, you know, gesture and uh, time is valuable, right? Time is, is, is priceless. And you are giving some of that to the people around the world. And I know you do a lot more of this. I mean, not just my show, you do other things and for the same purpose to help people around the world. And you, some people may not have access to, to, uh, people that have the expertise, or even if they did, they would not be able to reach out to them because of financials or whatever. Some of these answers that you give can help them, at least guide them. And ultimately, as you said, always, if someone feels there is a problem, they need to seek the help and go to the doctor and spend the time with the professional, not not in just, you know, get an answer on the question. Really, you got to go through the whole process. Yes, yes. And what you're touching on now, Hurricane, is very real because there is a worldwide shortage of psychiatrists. Uh, and psychologists and counsellors, not because there aren't enough, but the need has become so strong. We now live in a world of 8 billion people. We are now aware of all the suffering in the world, and we actually want to bring down that suffering. So information channels like this can help people uh, put together, uh, let's say, values so that their life goes better. So that, that's why I call a lot of what I do preventative mental health. Uh, we want to get to a stage where people don't need to see a psychiatrist like me. Uh, we want uh, people to know that they can make choices and choose their values so that their life moves in a direction towards where they want. And choice is very real and intention is very real. But in a world that is now, it's, it's huge, it's huge just by the sheer number of people and the sheer number of influences and the sheer number of choices, it's the onus is on the individual to say, well, what do I want? What direction do I want to go in? And we get fooled because pleasure, which we all enjoy, is not the same as long-term contentment, which is what we all want. But to get that long-term contentment, we have to have goals and values that require effort. We get little bits of pleasure on the way to keep us going. But if we get bogged down in reaching for instant pleasure rather than long-term contentment, that's when lives can start going off the rails. And so it's those values uh, that we talk about, and I have talked about values in uh, previous episodes, uh, through which you can shape your goals that help people make the choices so that they actually get the long-term contentment that they want. Well, thank you, Doc. And, uh Listen, um, <laughs> it's a lot of good stuff, and you know we're going to continue doing it. And folks, please, you know, do check out the channel. I mean, uh, we are live right now, so uh, do you have an opportunity to actually, you know, uh, connect with us? You can call the number on the screen, or you can actually just put a uh, your information or your question on the chat box. Uh, we are live on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. VK, <laughs> EMBC, Mixcloud, mix, mix so uh, Instagram. So whatever you are watching right now, you can do this. And if, you know, uh, you watch this uh, later on at a different time, it's a replay, but you can still send the questions to us and we'll have them available to you. Well, the answers at least, you know, will be there. Uh, as always, the last Friday of every month, we have this hour and, uh, you know, Dr. has you know, really committed to this and I committed to this to bring this to you guys. So, uh, and again, so we're live while we're doing this, you chime in if you want. So doctor, I want to go to the next question, although this is actually a question that just came recently. Um, uh, this is my question, actually. It's not, not from someone uh, because I had a show last week uh, with a, um, a guest who actually was suffering from schizophrenia. Yeah. And, 
and he lived with that for years and years. And and so he was able to eventually get out of it, or at least, you know, be, uh, you yep. know, actively without having the same, you know, uh, I guess, challenges of schizophrenia. But but uh, in the question, um, we talked about it, you know, and I wanted to just get your uh, psychiatry uh, special specialized answer or definition for 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 the term and for for what it is for people so at least people can understand it. Um, actually, I did want to bring him on the show, but I wasn't sure if that would be appropriate. You know, so we did talk about it. Maybe I can have him come on, and maybe you know he can talk about his personal experience and with you as 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 being a, a provider and, and a psychiatrist. You know, if that's something that you want, we can do it, and uh, if it's possible, sure, why not? Um, yeah. So just so so the question is basic: What is the true definition of schizophrenia and what are the treatments available to help with it can someone ever be cured of it okay okay good question lots of questions there okay so let's take the word schizophrenia because it's actually a problematic word because the word itself means a split mind right which is actually not what schizophrenia is uh, when people first started describing schizophrenia it was very hard to articulate what was actually going on uh, so the core of uh, schizophrenia is actually what we call unreal experiences. So hallucinations, hearing things or seeing things that aren't there, or delusions, uh, believing things that are uh, possible but not happening or impossible, and yet the person feels that they are real. So the essence of schizophrenia is having unreal experiences. Now, that's a real problem because we have to make judgments about what is a real and an unreal experience, okay? So something that becomes very important to somebody who has schizophrenia is the idea of insight. If the person knows that they're having unreal experiences, then their prognosis, so in other words, how they're going to do well with treatment uh, is much better, right? When somebody doesn't know that they're having unreal experiences, that, that becomes a real problem. So I'm going to move from one term to another. I'm going to move away from schizophrenia to a term called psychosis. And psychosis means having unreal experiences. And uh, that overlaps now with, with taking certain drugs. Like if, if you take uh, methamphetamines or ketamine or um, LSD uh, or a variety of these uh, drugs, you will have unreal experiences. And people like having these unreal experiences because there's a certain entertainment and pleasure value in it. However, it's usually transient and people then come back to knowing what reality is and it's a shared reality. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people, and I get to see them, people who have taken, let's say, uh, marijuana, a lot of marijuana, or LSD where they don't come back to what we know is reality. And so the psychotic experiences or the unreal experiences can linger and sometimes become, I won't say permanent, but uh, a major feature of their life. Somebody with schizophrenia is somebody who has psychotic experiences, probably due to their genetics. There is something in their genetic makeup that means that they are at risk of having unreal experiences. And the way that I look at it, uh, uh, Hurricane, is that anything that can go right in our body or brain can also go wrong. So just like you can get uh, cancers, which is something going wrong, or um, uh, ulcers in your stomach, which is something going wrong, or uh, degeneration in your eyes or diabetes or heart disease, which are all things that are going wrong, uh, something like schizophrenia is something that normally works well in the brain going wrong. So I'm starting to put together a picture of something that is an illness just like any other illness mm -hmm. that occurs in the brain because of the way the brain is wired. However, there are things that we can do to make sure that even if you suffer from something like schizophrenia, and schizophrenia is a real burden, it's a difficult disease, and it affects about 1% of the population, and that has stayed at about 1% almost throughout the world and almost since we've been recording it, there are some things that you can do to keep it under control. So the number one thing is medication and our medications, they're not perfect, but they are better than medications used to be. But 
I'm actually looking at doing a study about what makes people with schizophrenia do better in society than not. And Hurricane, the answer is a family, people around them, day-to-day uh, -day support, uh, because the people that we love are part of our reality. And if the people that we love start saying, this is not real, you tend to trust them more. We actually share more reality with the people that we live with and love. So in my own practice, I look at the people who have done well with schizophrenia, which is a difficult disease, or the people who have not done well. And the difference is that backing of a family and people who are there to share love, which is sharing reality. So that's that's a small snapshot of schizophrenia. Well, that, doctor, I mean, thank you uh, for breaking it down. I mean, it seems to, that it's a difficult one. And, uh, you know, to your point, there is, you said 1%. That, that's still a big number when you're talking about 8 billion people on the planet. Um, yeah, it, it is huge. And, and, and unfortunately, there's other diseases and so on and so forth. But, but this one, to your point, is pretty difficult because if the reality realm is almost convoluted and you're not sure where you stand, that could be a problem. I mean, yes. I mean this, is a, this is a philosophical question. Is this a real world? What's the reality? What's not reality? And yes. we, all, we all adjust the reality based on the set of things that are around us. If are they recurring? You know, all the things that are happening are the same. But when you start seeing things or hearing things that are different, whatever the case may be, yes. that changes your dynamics. And you're right. I mean, if you're taking some leisure, you know, <laughs> medicine or whatever you call it, like, you know, in terms of marijuana and some of these things, uh, you know, or, or greens, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's... It, it does, it does, it can be leisure, it can be fun, but also it can have some serious, severe, you know, issues that can happen. Yes, it can. Message to yes. people. Careful. Yes, it can. And so one of the questions that comes up is, can it be cured, right? Uh, and uh, that actually comes down to, well, what caused it in the first place, right? And uh, for most people, taking some sort of a substance like uh, marijuana or LSD is part of the picture of their psychosis. Okay, so the thing is that can it be cured? Well, we've got to do what we can to stop taking those substances, to stop with the LSD, to stop with the marijuana, to stop with the methamphetamines, to stop with the ecstasy, okay? And then we go through a period of time where we see if people still have unreal experiences. And if they do still have unreal experiences, then medication can help. Now, unfortunately, there are a group of people that have a strong family history of schizophrenia where having unreal experiences become part of their lives. And for those people, it becomes more important to have medication. And so we talk about managing it or controlling it rather than curing it. So we do what we can firstly to prevent it. Then we do what we can to treat it. And if we can take away the things that can contribute to psychosis, and I am talking about substances, drugs, mm -hmm. uh, then we have much more of a hope that it can actually be cured in some people, although it will be prolonged in some people as well. Well, thank you, Doc. And, and you, you stated something that is, that is very key to all of us and any other things, schizophrenia or otherwise, right? Yeah. You talked about the when you compare people who have a strong family you know entourage and support system versus those who don't right yep. and, and and that's that can make a difference in almost every diagnosis right if you have any situation who is around you determines how quick or how easy things will go for you and so, so it, but there is a selection as well for us to to have you know the right people around sometimes you don't have that choice sometimes you have who you have and whether they're going to be there or not that's that that's that's a question mark but but again for people that may know someone understand that you can be part of that treatment you can be part of them getting better if you contribute correctly yeah so so i want to give across the idea that having schizophrenia is not a hopeless situation uh just as in heart disease uh we've got really great evidence to know what contributes to heart disease. So you've got more heart disease if you're a male or if you've got a strong family history of heart disease and you can't do anything about that. But the other things, your blood pressure, your cholesterol levels, how much exercise you have and if you smoke, all of those things we can do something about. 
And uh, we know that over the last 50 years, the amount of heart disease and heart attacks in the whole world has gone down remarkably. And we found out that it's due to those four things, controlling blood pressure, controlling cholesterol, uh, stopping people from smoking and making sure that people exercise. So the same thing is with schizophrenia. When you know what uh, contributes to schizophrenia, if we can stop that, then you will have much more of a chance of getting on top of the schizophrenia, even though there are some things that we won't be able to stop. Well, thank you, doctor. So, so we're going to go to the next question. Now, this is almost related to something you mentioned earlier. So, um, and it just coincidence it happened to be that way. So it says, I watched a movie about experimentation on people's mind, which is supposed to be based on a true event, the Stanford prison experiment. Yes. I'm curious as to why would such an experiment be conducted and to what extent did, uh, did this help the psychology world? Also, can the situation that a person is in dictate such behavior changes in the mind? Okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. No, that, that's right. Thank you for hitting me with a really interesting question, uh, Hurricane. You will be Sorry. testing my memory here because I believe this the Stanford Prison Experiment was carried out in the 1970s by uh, Stanley Milgram and uh, it involved people being taught to become either prisoners or warders as part of a acting experiment, but they actually took on those roles very, very strongly. Now, since this has been published, the people who were actually part of this experiment uh, actually um, questioned the findings and said, no, Stanley Milgram did not influence us as much as he thinks that we did, all right, uh, but he did this so that it sounds better in publications. So the full truth about what goes behind this um, we may never know, and I don't know the particular documentary that people actually um, listened to or watched, but the essence of the experiment that we can be influenced by the roles that we play and the people around us. Yeah, I've got to say that's that's pretty pretty robust finding, that we are actually people who can be influenced. Well, well you know, Doctor, I, I did watch the movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, you did watch the movie, okay. Yeah, so so it is. You're right. So the movie is there's a bunch of people that come into the experiment to this this lock prison, and they're and they're all you know regular people with different walks of lives, yeah. and they're just given assignments or roles. And so yeah. like people, and some are wardens, some are you know inmates, and then all of a sudden, although they knew this was just you know fun exercise, they took on the role and became serious about it. Now obviously it's artistry, and in the movie they got a little bit more dramatic. But, but again, I don't know if how far it was from the reality or not, but it got bloody, it got you know, crazy, people were hurting each other, and they yeah. took the role serious. And so it became you know, unbelievable. Uh, and so when you watch them, and then at the end, they realized that like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, like, like they, they were, it showed like almost when they walked out of that thing, like we, we, were, we thought we were somebody, but we are not. We are still who we were in the first place. So, but, but I love the question because you know, in reality, we are influenced, as we said earlier, and we can, and by the way, I can relate to this from a personal experience. Now, now I, I, let me explain. So in the martial arts, right, uh, it, it's, we have to wear geese, like uniforms. And I can tell you this for anyone watching and listening, even if I think if you're a policeman or, or not, or, or law enforcement, or any type of uniform, you know, body, right? When you wear the uniform, somehow you're, it, it changes you. I am serious. Like you become that person. Like you know, you represent that uniform, whatever that uniform is. And like for example, wearing normal clothes, you don't feel the same as if you're wearing the gi in a, in in a, in a dojo. It's I I I can guarantee you that's just how I feel personally. You have that, it just makes you feel different. It makes you feel unique about it. You like you're in it. Like you know how to to do this. This is you. And it's, you know that it's two different persons, you know, between the one that's outside of it. Although you can do the same work <laughs> out, without a uniform, but the uniform gives you some sort of a, a high. I don't know what it is, but it changes the way your, and maybe that's a question to you, doctor. Is there a chemical, you know, in the mind that it gets triggered or, or whatever it is, but it does change you how you feel. Um, and I know even if you were just a regular fatigues and, and, and think that, you know, like you, I, I've done paintballing. You know, and so in paintball, you dress up like in the military and you go into a real action, you know, with fun stuff, right? But it is a real scenario. 
and you get real. I mean, it gets really serious. I mean, some people really go nuts. <laughs> you know, so it's amazing. That's right. That's right. So uh, that, that speaks to the roles that we play in life. So uh, one very well-known effect is, uh, and it works the other way as well, is the white coat effect. So um, if, if a doctor wears a white coat, and see somebody that they haven't seen before, they don't go and say, oh, there's Christian, he likes playing the piano, he's got a couple of kids and he likes going for walks. They go, oh my gosh, this is the doctor. And, and their blood pressure goes up simply because somebody is wearing a white coat. Uh, the other thing that a lot of people will see in, um, in society is, uh, let's say cyclists. People who wear, you know, the, the Lycra, the wonderful shoes, they've got, they've got all the, all that they need for their bike. They've got the tight pants and they've, they, they look like a cyclist. Even though they're 73, they look like an Olympic cyclist. Now, that is not just commercial uh, advertising. It's also because if I dress up like a cyclist, I feel that I can exercise better and I will exercise better because I look the part. So those things are exactly the same as what happened in the uh, in the Stanford uh, prison experiments, that people take on a role, they put on clothes, and they start to think that they are, they actually act like a different person. So we have this in all of us, and it speaks against the idea that we are all individuals, that we decide what we do, and the truth is that we influence each other. We go through life together, which brings me back to mentors. If you can choose your mentors, and let's say in martial arts, Mentoring is a very, very special process where you get somebody who is not only good at a martial art, but has an attitude to life that you want to emulate. If you choose your mentors, then it's like putting on the coat or the clothing that will help you lead a better life or to live a better life, whatever that means to you as an individual. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, would, I would agree a million times in, in terms of the mentorship. If you got the wrong person or the right person, it makes a whole big difference. And we, yes. we get to choose who those mentors are. You know, we have the ability to do that. You know, yeah. and if you don't like someone, you know, usually you have tendencies. You, you enjoy somebody's version of whatever they do and you become one of them and you follow their, their footsteps, right? But I yeah. do want to touch on something that you talked about, which is like fathers and, and like, like, you know, parents and so on and so forth. But uh, we are all in a role that we live every day so yes. like you're going, we have multiple roles i mean yes. you're if your father your husband your co-worker your friend but but you know i'm going to talk, talk about something very funny that happened to me as an experience um which is i i went to an audition literally yep. for, for a yep. movie audition. and so i i went in and never i never been to one and i got into this thing and so they gave me a two-minute script and the, yeah. the thing was basically it's a restaurant and there's a client and you're going to show them something about some drinks or whatever. So I kind of just read that and did it. And then when I did it, the guy said, can you do it again? I'm like, okay. So I did the same. And he's like, you did well. I'm like, okay. It's like, so I wasn't doing, I wasn't, I wasn't acting. Yes. So he, he said, well, what happens? Like, you give me a role. I was in a role. I mean, I, I just saw myself literally in that restaurant talking to someone. I wasn't yeah. trying to be there. I was just doing it. And, yeah. and, and the reason I'm talking about this, because in sales and training, we do the same thing. We do role play. And yes. the role play is really, I take you as a client and we're going to do like you are client. You act as a client. I act as an actual person in front of you. And we do this. So you really, actors do this, you know, for a living. Yes. They become the role. They become that character. They're not actually, they become one. And so yes. they behave exactly as that person characteristics. And then therefore yes. they, they give us that real performance that like, you know, you feel it, you see it. Yes. It's, it's just an amazing experience. And I, I, again, I'm sharing from personal, you know, yes. simple two minutes. <laughs> so so I, I will go into the brain to explain some of what's going on there. Okay. Because there, there are two groups of people that you spoke about there. Uh, one is actors, people mm. that become a character right, to portray. And, and you did a bit of that. You also talked about sales, all right, and who are the people who become successful in sales? They're the people who like people, can make connections with people, and can get the idea across that, you know, this is trustworthy, all right? So trust is a big thing in sales. So going into the brain, how does that work? Firstly, I'll talk about sales and trust. 
because all of that is mediated by the brain chemical oxytocin. And oxytocin mediates our feelings of trust, also our feelings of love and mentorship, people that we want to be like, is a form of love. It's a connection, a human connection, and that feeling of, oh, that's a great guy. I want to grow up to be just like that. That's a form of love, and oxytocin is being flooded into the brain under those circumstances. <clears throat> now, the thing is, when an actor becomes a character and portrays somebody that a playwright has put together, you go to the theatre, you watch that actor, and you go, I can identify with that. I can see some of myself in that, or wow, I would like to be like that, or I would like to get closer to this character. And we know that it's an imagination, but that identification is also based on love. It is seeing what you yourself value, what you love in yourself, being projected out on stage. Now, there's a whole lot of other chemical processes that, that go on. Uh, it's what we call mirror neurons. It's when somebody is feeling something in their brain, you look at them, you make contact with them, and then the same part of your brain is being fired off. That connection that we have amongst people, and I suppose that's the thing for today, we are connected as people, Hurricane. It's all a form of love, and we can actually measure the brain chemicals, not just oxytocin, but also beta endorphin, which makes us feel together as part of the human race. Whenever we laugh together or cry together or are even angry together, and these are the sort of things that happen in the theatre, all that togetherness is mediated by beta endorphins, feeling together. And so that then influences our serotonin level because it feels good to be with other people. And all of these brain chemicals tend not to be as uh, uh, as strongly released through the media, okay, through screens, okay? Like, let me put it this way, Hurricane. If we were sitting in the studio together in person, we would feel a closer bond than through what we're doing at the moment, even though what we're doing at the moment is fantastic. I don't want to take it away. We couldn't do it without it. But when I get into that studio with you, it'll be closer we'll have those feelings of togetherness, that we're doing something together. And well, that's first of all, love. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Well, well, we will have that moment one day. I mean, I know you're well, not we in the States, we but no, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll be together in one place. If you're in the States or if I'm in Australia, we're going to make sure our show is done from the same space. <laughs> we'll talk about that, yes. Yes, sir. Well, So, so first of all, I, I didn't mention the, 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 the names of the people who sent the questions. I, I kind of went through them. So yeah, yeah. The about the experiment was from James from England. Okay. And I believe, uh, let me see who else. We had David. Yeah, so that was it. <laughs> we, okay. we, okay, so I, there's something else I need to say to James because that's a huge issue, that, that documentary about how we take on roles. Uh, and what we learned through that is that there's a lot more going on inside us as human beings than we like to think, okay? And there's a lot more that has to do with how we interact with each other. And we are moving to this idea that our brains are actually connected. Right, so one of my favorite parts of the brain is called the anterior cingulate gyrus, and it is a part of the brain that almost transmits feelings to each other. This is called empathy. So we grow to be like the people that we are around, and it's a very real phenomenon. So the idea is to choose the people that you're around, to choose what goes into your brain, because computer specialists know garbage in, garbage out, all right? But that also means good stuff into you will result in good stuff out of you. So if we can make choices to get good stuff into our brains and the people that we interact with being helpful, and I like good people, I like to influence other people in a, in a good way as well, then we're actually on this spiral of helping each other get through life. <laughs> Doctor, I have to say, you know, you said a key word. You love to give good stuff to people and, and, and good vibes and good frequency and energy. I thrive on that, and you know, I, I I hope that a lot more people do that every day, and we can make a difference. And that's that's, you know, I mean, unfortunately, 
we we see some of it, but not a lot of it. And and you know, I hope that there's more. That's all. Yes. Um, yes. So so, doctor, I have another question. Uh, and although I mean, I do have a question that is literally past, meaning it, it was literally for February, and it was about. Um, and we do have a little over ten minutes. Uh, it was about the. Uh, uh, celebrating the Black History Month, so I I, I know we passed uh, in March, but you know if you don't mind, I want to just ask it because I want to make sure that uh, our friend gets the response. Jamil, is that okay? Yeah, Jamil. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we are celebrating Black History Month, we reflect on Black heritage, race, and racism in the U.S. My question is, what does racism do to a mind that is being subjected to it? What drives someone to feel superior than others? Very deep question. <laughs> they're, they're, they're huge questions they're wonderful questions and i suppose one thing that's really happening in today's world is we are grappling with these questions uh and we are grappling with these questions ultimately because we want to make the world a better place all right um i'd like a world without racism uh, i'd like a world where everybody gets a fair go that's an australian way of uh saying let's do without racism i'd like to think that we can live in peace and harmony as uh, as people who are together. All right, so we're trying to do that. So what makes people feel like they are uh, superior to other people? Unfortunately, one of the ways that evolution works is this idea of survival of the fittest, which brings in the idea of a hierarchy, that there are some choices that we can make that are better than others, there are some things that we can do that are better than others, but it also brings in the idea that some people are better than others, right? Mm -hmm. And that is fundamental because we all would like to find the best solution to whatever the problem is. If the problem is climbing the mountain, uh, you will prepare to say, what's the best way to get up this mountain? Because our life is in danger. So we want to find the best one. The trouble is that there are a lot of ways up the mountain that could work and it just becomes a matter of style or opinion as to how to get up that that mountain right however in a quest for being the fittest to survive we start off having power hierarchies or dominance hierarchies and people motivated to show that their way is better than other people's ways so there's competition which is not bad in itself. Anybody who enjoys sports enjoys competition. The thing is to find a society that can say, okay, if we have the competition and we find a way that is better, can we all move towards that together to help each other? Because when we look at the problems in life, right, if we use the mountain climbing uh, analogy, the people who think they have overcome that problem have not overcome it so that others behind them don't overcome it. So the real way to overcome a problem is not overcoming a problem just for yourself, but also for everybody else. So in other words, to share knowledge and to share ways that work. And I gotta say, that's a wonderful thing about social media because we can share those ways. This is sounding <laughs> a bit here, Hurricane, all right? Well, well, doctor, thank you. and and. You know, so there's two things. I mean, I get the competition part, right? I mean, it's okay to be competitive, and that that's part of life. You know, you want to yeah. be, you want people, and it's equal, right? I mean, you want to compete. You just got to do more, right? You got to perform better, right? That's one yeah. thing. But but like when it comes to race, you, people don't select their race. I mean, you you're born into you who you are, right? And it's yeah. it's a matter of you're being judged on on what is. I think that's what makes it a little bit more different. You know. Yes. I didn't choose to be this, right? And or where my background is. And so therefore, why am I being subjected to something just because you happen to be this? It's not a, you know, uh, in reality, we are equal humanity. We are, we, we can talk about it from an equal perspective. But as you said, the survival of the fittest, evolution, but it's, it's what gives, you know, I think that's, that's really the, the question. It's a, it's a difficult, I'm, I'm sure we're not going to answer that question, but, but it's a tough one. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to uh, reframe it so that we look at the positive. Okay. Let's look at the flip side of racism, right? Hmm. Uh, racism is saying that somebody is different from me and uh, I will push them away. Right. The flip side of racism is actually the idea of family. These people are special to me. These people are close to me. I am kind of like these people. 
And therefore, the idea of family is that we're together. And uh, two people who form a new family have to get to know each other and tolerate each other and accept each other and then even celebrate each other to become a family. So the challenge is not how do we stop racism, but the challenge is how do we become one big family? And we've actually got some science about this uh, uh, hurricane. The science is this. If we look at, let's say, let's say Chinese people, Chinese people who immigrated to the United States or to Australia, they met with persecution when they first came there. But then the people, let's say, of Sydney got curious about the Chinese people and about their food. And now we not only embrace Chinese people and their food and culture, around the world, we will even argue as to who has the best Chinatown. Is it San Francisco? Is it New York? Is it uh, London? Is it Australia? I got to tell you, the best Chinatown is in Australia, of course, you know, <laughs> because I'm an Australian. That's part of my family. Right. But the point is that once we got to know Chinese people in Sydney, they were embraced and even celebrated and they are now part of the culture. Now, this is actually the science of the mere exposure effect. And mm -hmm. it was um, articulated in the 1960s by somebody called Robert Zedonk, who said, if we get to know people, if we get to spend time with them, we actually get to like them. And that has been shown to be true. One of the problems is in a society is we are all being asked to get to know people without enough time. The process that I talked about with the Chinese people, that took 100 years, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and over that time, we got to know and like the people. If you try to force people to get to know people and to like people, you can't force people to like them, so you end up with a word like tolerate, all right? We'll have to tolerate these people, which is not the same as liking people. So the way through something like racism, uh, and I work a lot with people who have mental illness. How do you decrease uh, stigma towards mental illness? Mm -hmm. Well, you give them a job, you um, invite them to work, you get to know them, and you go, you know what? Aside from this illness, you're a person just like me. And that experience of you're a person just like me is what brings families and makes them bigger. So uh, these days at workplaces, you have like um, uh, cultural ambassadors to make sure that people get on so that people feel they're part of a family. And whatever family it is, be it a, an actual family, a place of work or a country, the culture is changing all the time. And the idea is to invite people into that family more and more and to celebrate the differences and even have a laugh about them. I know that's idealistic, but that's starting to happen. Well, well, doctor, you know, I love what you said, you know, but let's turn it into the positive because we do live in a global village, if you want to call it that way. I mean, this this globe of ours, I mean, you're, you're in the future, I'm in the past, <laughs> you know, you're on the other side, uh, you're in different, literally different season than ours, right? But yet we are connected right here and we're connecting literally through the world between with all these these channels that we are live right now into the social media. I mean, people literally, I'm looking at them from different parts, especially on Instagram, different parts of the world. And and what it does is that we are a human family. Yes. And, and we all are striving for the same stuff, you know, to to live happy, to have you know some sort of a you know a good income, good money, whatever, live a certain life and enjoy everything. So so that's the thing. So I think if to your point, if we start thinking from that ide ideology of we are one humankind, we are all you know sharing the same family. If you in, on this planet, we should be able to coexist better. Not not so much to tolerate, because to your point, tolerate is like I I am just absorbing you that's kind that's of like right. I see. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, don't sh I shouldn't be absorbing someone i should be just embracing someone yeah. for who they are and that's it and so it's a big difference in how you look at it now i, I get it there's always going to be a, a percentage of people that just kind of remain who they are and how they see the world from their lens but I, I still believe that the larger majority now is is open to to diversity to open to to change to different uh, and I think that's that's been you know a great you know, but but again it took centuries. In, oh yeah, in, in the yeah. So, so so let's take another another example. Uh, so uh, the British and the Indians 
were at war with each other in the 1940s, okay? But if you look at the cultures now, the Indians love their cricket. Where did they get that from? The, the British love their Indian cuisine, particularly in London, all right? It's full of Indian restaurants. Where did they get that from? And the idea is because they become more a part of a global family and allow we allow each other to influence each other, we can actually take the best so that we all win. Not that everybody can win at cricket. We will still have those competitions, all right? But we can all eat food together and uh, share meals together and we can share and celebrate being part of that family. And if we were able to get more of that family mindset, uh, perhaps we'd be able to move towards solving some of the larger problems that we have in this world. Well, thank you. There. Well, actually, you just brought you know a subject that we covered a few months ago with the World Cup, you know, That's where the whole world came on into one month's event and everybody was having a good time. Everybody was cheering each other and it was, it was, but, but I mean, while it's ideal, it is realistic because it's happening. We can do this. The problem is like, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I will say this, I go on cruises and in a cruise ship, you have at least a few, you know, a couple of 20, 30 nationalities that are literally every time, if not more. You know, in yeah. some ships, I've, I've had 200 nationalities, you know, that were actually announced. And, oh, wow. and, and everybody is literally, I don't know if there's 200 countries, but, <laughs> you know, maybe there's less. I think it's one something. But but the idea is, like, there were so many, uh, you know, diversified groups in there and, and, and backgrounds, and they all um, got along well, you know. And, and everybody's cooperating, everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. I don't know if it's just, you know, being a hypocrite, and I'm not, you know, judging but you know, but they're doing it. Even if you do it as a hypocrite, even if you just do it a face, you know, it still works to a degree. I mean, it may not be genuine, but we'd like it to be genuine. But it makes a difference, right? At least people are, you know, and 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 they're almost to your point. They're open to the idea of, oh, I never talked to someone from this country. You know, what I mean, people tell me like, oh, I never met someone from Morocco. Yeah, I get that all the time. You know, yeah. in some parts. Oh really? Wow! How is it? How does it look like? Well, I'm from the states, but I am originally from Morocco. I can talk to you about it. It's exotic. It's got all these things, and so it changes the dynamics, right? You know, and it gives you a discussion. I think different is curious. I mean, it gives you that opportunity to to talk to someone. So, so curiosity is so wonderful. Curiosity uh, is is what can drive us to be closer together. Because the more I find out about you, and the science shows this, the more I will actually like you. It's it's if I put a barrier and say, I'm not like that, and I'm not going to find out anything about that, that's when things uh, go awry. But curiosity lends itself to beta endorphin release in our brain, which unites us as people. Yeah, Doctor, I thought you were going to say curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That would see the difference between me and you. So that's how I think. <laughs> Endorphins. I love it. But but you know, it's it's fun, right? I mean, you know, it's really. Um, but it's it's interesting how how it is. I mean, again, we could live a happy life. We could be you know like each other for who we are, and and that's the other thing. I think I always put people in two buckets: the good, and or the bad. And even the bad, you know, they have a bad time. As you said, they, they, they're just going through something, right? So it's not like, you know, there is, we're not generally bad by default. You know, we, yeah. we just get tendencies to become bad. And again, that bad also is a big definition. And, you know, it could be just bad temporary. It could be bad forever. <laughs> but but the idea is that we don't have to be necessarily that way. So um, yeah. but so thank you for, 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 for touching on, on the subject. I mean, we could spend hours on, on this, this topic. It's difficult. It's hard. But it means a lot to people. Yeah, um, it does. It does. It's very huge. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm not going to open things up at the, at the end of something. But you're right. We could spend a long time on these things, and they do have to do with how we interact as people, and that's where the psychiatry comes in because our minds, our brains, are connected, and so to know that we have a connection and that huge chunks of our brain are actually uh, put there, designed, or exist, or have evolved so that we get on with other people is actually a useful piece of information. Our brains are actually wired so that we interact with other people and we start to understand other people. Well, with that, Doctor, I think we just went over the hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So I, I listen, I never can get, you know, enough from you. So we can, I can be with you for the whole day and I'm not going to, you know, get tired. So that will be it. But I know you have other, you know, better fish to fries to say, uh, and, and other things to do. And, and, you know, like I said, your time is valuable. Um, and it's getting late here. You know, you're just starting your day over there, <laughs> yep. Yep. but, but I, I really, I was, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the, the responses. And I know that the folks are getting their juice and, Folks, again, we do want you to interact with us. Don't be shy, call in, send in, put, put a mouse or something as a picture, but we just want to hear from you and see you live with us. Uh, so just do this, you know, join the discussion. It is for you and, and you can, if it's not for you, for someone you might know that can actually benefit from the discussion. So thank you. So doctor, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Hurricane. All right, folks. This is it for today. We'll be talking and just, just we catch the next client, uh, tree problem uh, with Dr. Heim, time for mental health, next, uh, the last Friday of April. So stay tuned.